Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Professional Insight Podcast. Uh, thanks very much for uh, to our sponsors, uh, Brand Boulevard, for uh, our guest speaker uh, gifts. My name is Brandon Curry. I'm Jeff Collins. Josh Bond. And Trevor Lindy. And our uh, our guest today, and thank you very much for staying on, because uh, I know you have a very busy schedule. Steve guest. Esteemed guest, thank you very much for that adjective. Uh, the uh, president of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, Mr. Rocco Rossi. Thank you very much again for staying on and answering our questions. Um, I was, <laughs> was going to be, um, I was going to start and uh, talk to, and then Bondo has a couple of other questions as well pertaining to it. Um, we we were chatting about, you know, what is the strategy? What's the lobbying strategy? Or if, if that's inside baseball, you don't have to say that. But like basically to get the funding back, to get people back into employers, things like um, in the finances industry where you need licenses to sell. And that's a lot of money for a business to pay for and reimburse a, an employee for when they may or may not have, um, you know, the, the history in the industry and the license to come with them. Um, what, where's that uh, sitting at right now? Yeah. Well, one of the things that's really important to remember at all of this is, um, you know, we, we, we've gone through almost a half a trillion dollars uh, over this crisis. And, and in fact, we have debt levels um, that we've not seen in Canada outside of the Second World War. Uh, and the notion that they're simply going to be able to continue to write enormous checks ad infinitum um, is is likely not realistic, particularly if you see any real uptick in interest rates, which now that we're talking about inflation, um, that it seems a more uh, real possibility. So our focus, and yes, there have to be targeted uh, supports, particularly for the hardest hit sectors, because they're, you know, people talk about the K-shaped recovery. It's been a K-shaped recession from the beginning. If you've been in technology and some of the essential services, yes, there have been bumps on the road, but you've been rocking and rolling throughout. If you were in hospitality and tourism, you know, you were punched in the face from the beginning and you're very slow coming out uh, of this. But what all governments need to focus on is try to understand what are the things that we can do beyond cutting checks, which we're going to be more restricted because of the debt load that we now have, that we can do to speed up private sector growth, right? So that is things like the interprovincial trade and service barriers that we have. It is harder for me as a business to do business between Ontario and BC than it is between mm -hmm. Ontario and Michigan. And yes. that makes no sense. None. Right? It has been estimated that somewhere between 2 to 4% of GDP is locked up in these barriers that maybe at one point had some point to them, but in the era that we're living in now is just shooting ourselves in the foot. And that is something that can happen without government writing a check. 
It's literally a pay increase for every man, woman, and child in uh, Canada of $2,000 a year every year uh, in eliminating those, uh, those barriers, which in and of itself, without increasing tax rates, would lead to another uh, $60 billion a year into government coffers. Um, so pretty, pretty impressive opportunities um, uh, with, with those kinds of measures. Now, Rocco, Bonilla, what, go ahead. A little bit of what's concerned me with the government handouts has been the whole concept of the universal basic income, right? And my my fear of all of this, fear, I'm going to use it lo loosely in parentheses, but um, is that we're going to transition to a universal basic income. And I, again, I think it could be done properly and we could transition into something like that and be better off if we control our 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 our, our welfare as well in in part i mean I, i'm just not sure if you're prepared to provide your comments yeah. or your opinions with respect to it look this is an interesting theme because you have people both on the right and the left who've called for universal mm -hmm. uh guaranteed income uh for for people on the right, people like Hayek and Milton Friedman, you know, not not considered socialists, um, no. they said they would much prefer having that to the plethora of social welfare programs that are out there. That as a conservative, you could actually make the system more efficient than rather than have 55 different programs. There's just that one. The problem with it in making it work is that is that if uh, people still fall between the cracks, you still end up needing all of those other programs. And so the efficiency maybe isn't as efficient. Um, and that's why uh, many have said, well, we really should have, you know, pilots so you can you can test this. Um, and and those pilots have been, you know, more often than not cut off. There's also the issue just of 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 the the dignity of work uh, and the encouragement so that as you think about these minimum um, income systems, what is the incentive to ensure that you you do try to return? Because that's something just as, as as someone who finds real dignity in work that that you want to ensure is available for um for everyone so you're right uh it's something that's talked about a lot um for those to be able to bridge both the left and the right make it efficiency make it efficient but also retain um the encouragement of people uh, to seek to work where possible, um, that that has proven to be very difficult to actually do in reality. It's funny that uh, Bondo's bringing that up. I'm I'm in the process right now of writing the sixth part of a six-part series for Reveal Magazine on the universal basic income, and just slowly walking people through. Um, because a lot of people hear it and they they're like, "Oh yeah, that sounds okay." But they don't do any research. I mean, like in theory, communism sounds phenomenal. Right. Until well, no, you start it, it is. It, I mean, 
I, we won't get into that, but I mean, no. if you strip it back, I mean, it's really based on a utopian society, right? Where there's well, egalitarianism. And, and, that's where, right? but, and, and that's where I, I start to go down, though, that, that little, you know, the yellow brick road with some people. Explain take away the, the dictator. <laughs> explaining the history and then working it and going, okay, well, here are the finances. Because if you're going to give it in its pure form, $2,500 a month, tax-free, which is the equivalent of $15 an hour a year, right? 40 hours, so 30 grand a year. Take away all your social programs. You would cost the, it, would take, it would cost the country an additional $600 billion. The only one that can do it is the federal government. No right. province can withstand that kind of infrastructure uh, because Ontario, which has almost, not quite, but almost half of, that, of the population – would in turn have to bear the brunt of, you know, it would cost about nine hundred billion, but your social programs federally are about three hundred billion. So your net net an additional six hundred billion. You'd be, it's just, it's not f- fiscally feasible. Well, they got to tax somewhere higher, right, and harder. Well, and then, but this is the problem. I mean, I think where where, where Canada has done well, quote unquote, be businesses. It's been. Well, it's been in 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 essence, um, not made, like so. Healthcare and education, both socialized programs, mm-hmm. right? You pay for it through your property taxes or your income taxes, but it's not. They are not income tested benefits. Meaning, if you're a, a millionaire, you still get healthcare and education. But if you want to go to the U.S. for your healthcare, well. Go, go. I don't care. If you want to send your kids to private school, go. I don't care. Right? Where there's a divide in these social programs, because humans, by their nature, will take the path of least resistance, which is why if they can only... Not always. I don't don't agree with that, because if that were the case, why would, uh, you know, people join monastic orders or take on real challenges or sign up in the military like there there is there is heroic activity as well and and people do try to be you know more than uh, uh, the best that they can be true and then but there is a segment of the like if you can if you say to someone oh you're on 13 14 dollars an hour but here's serb right like they'll shoot a lot if but you can only make a thousand dollars a month well, people are looking at it. They've got to provide for their family in the middle of a pandemic. They're going to make $1,000 a month and get an additional 2000 from the government. But you don't, why would you blame them for that? that that's the rule. No, it's rational behavior, it's, particularly it's in life. Yeah. Yeah, right. So if someone's used to making $2,500 a month and they can make $3,000 a month but only work half the hours, you're going to only work half the hours. It's just it's pure math. It's not – I don't criticize yeah. that. Just, it's, it's logic. It was just mo- most, I would say most humans are, 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 are Fair uh, enough. have a, la- a lazy inclination, right? But there still are, like a, lot of, like a lot of your business owners are the ones who are taking the risks, right? And, you know, you see it all the time, right? In terms of Jeff or you, Brandon, the blood, sweat and tears that goes into it versus the second generation, right? There's a di- big disconnect there. Yeah. So I just think so that, that, the- that, that first generation definitely took the chances and put the sweat in, but the second generation maybe might not, and they're a little bit more aloof. But yeah, generally we're, speaking, we're a little bit more lazy. 
population. But where but do not you, everybody. Well, where would you see that going? Do you think it's it's even feasible in, in Canada, Rocco, that something like a universal basic income? Um, or do you think that it's just there needs to be some sort of income test? I, I'm a firm believer being a certified financial planner, um, seeing these people come through my office all, all the time, that income tested benefits with the one exception being OAS, which is an income tested benefit, but it's so high that right. people very rarely hit it, that it, it, they just don't work because people will just inherently do what's best for them and for the family, right? Or does that need to change? Look, my my focus as the as the the child of immigrants who you know came to this country with with nothing and and whose only dream was really to work hard, not even so that they would benefit, but that their children would benefit. Um, I, I am a huge believer in the dignity of human work, and I am a huge believer in providing people with as much opportunity as possible, because that's something that Canada, for all of our faults, has done to a level that in many countries, you know, if you're born into a certain class in, in many countries, that's where you end up being, regardless of how hard you, you work. And so if you feel the system kind of stacked against you, it, it's really hard to, to have that motivation. And, and, you know, we get some of those elements. It's not that we don't have, you know, systemic biases and prejudices and 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 there are issues in the system. But relative to most countries in the world, um, I, I would say there is still that incredible opportunity. So how do we augment the things that provide uh, people with that opportunity to better themselves and and provide for their their families, and that's really around being so much smarter around training and retraining and building in lifelong learning, around social programs that are enhancements that give people that option. So you know, one of the things that the Ontario Chamber has has pushed on is how transformative affordable childcare is. Um, because what we've seen is when schools and childcare shut down so that women who still, regardless of how progressive a society we are, women still bear the brunt of child yes. rearing in our society. And so you saw this recession, unlike prior ones, hit women even harder than men, such that women's participation rate, the percentage of them working in the workforce, went back to percentages we've not seen since the 90s. That's like, you know, wiping out 30 years of progress. Um, and, and so there are programs as opposed to like a universal income isn't going to solve the child care issue, right? right. Isn't going isn't to solve the education uh, and skills issue, and I think those are the those are the things that really give um, really give people the opportunity to better themselves, and by extension, all of society. Because whatever we do in order to pay for it and sustain it has to then ultimately create a return, uh, and that's what I think. You know, really smart. Uh, uh, investable ideas and social programs will do for us. 
but the operative word being smart there. Yes. Right? How much do you, you like, you leave the Canadian Chamber of Commerce to lobby the federal government, and then you guys Ontario, just to... the Canadian, uh, yeah. my colleagues, uh, yeah. Perrin Beattie, who heads up the Canadian Chamber, they're, uh, they're, Western they grad, to take the main Perrin responsibility. Perrin Beattie, yeah. Western the grad? Uh, I think he was a Western grad, and he was a minister in the Joe Clark and Mulroney governments. Yeah, yeah. interesting. I actually met him, I believe. Yeah, and anyway, then I... he's he's more respons- He's got the primary responsibility at the Canadian Chamber to focus on Parliament Hill, and ours is more a focus on uh, Queens Park. And I guess, and in, in finally, where are you, uh, how are you feeling now coming as we, I think it, it's light at the end of the tunnel and not a freight train coming through. Do you um, want to give a present day though, Curry, just because this might record oh, a little bit Yeah, later. just in case for anyone's listening to us later on, where we're recording on November 2nd, 2021, if anyone's listening to this later on. Um, so we do feel, I feel that there is a, like I said, light at the end of the tunnel. Well, how, how are you feeling? Uh, notwithstanding, obviously, the losses of businesses and stuff like that. Look, at I, I am a huge believer um, in the power of science and human innovation. And I do believe we're, uh, we're bringing it to, uh, we're bringing it to an end. That doesn't mean it goes to zero, as the scientists say, will enter an endemic phase where, you know, COVID shows up uh, throughout the year, but but not in a way that is going to threaten the healthcare system and lead to uh, the numbers of, of deaths and um, and human tragedy that we've seen to uh, to date. Um, so I'm by nature an optimistic person. I think most people who are in business are by nature optimistic because if you weren't, there are lots of reasons to shut down a business every day. Uh, You know, the number of times, uh, you know, Brandon, uh, Jeff, that that you've heard no from a potential client before you can turn it into a yes. If you weren't an optimist, you would take that no and go home. That's not the way we're built. Um, But that doesn't mean uh, that we we simply say okay well we're we're done so get rid of all restrictions get rid of masks don't worry about getting vaccinated or boosters or whatever no <laughs> use every tool at your disposal to manage the crisis as opposed to just react to it sure. and and i think we're um uh we're in a much better place than uh than we were 18 months ago a lot of other places in the world too. Well, and if you read if you read what's going on in the UK right now, cases are spiking back up again. Just basically all to your point, Rocco. Um, that you know, the one thing I have to give, you know, the you, you, it, it being a sorry, moving target, I just I lost you. Oh, sorry. If you just listen to the UK with cases spiking up back again, right? And um, can you hear me? You okay, good, now, Rocco. Rocco? Oh, we might have. Oh, he's just reconnecting. Yeah, he's just reconnecting right now. <clears throat> yeah, he only has like not even two minutes left. Oh, okay. 
Oh, he um, did he freeze? Did he fr uh, he froze? Yeah, looks like it. Well spoken guy. Very well spoken. Yeah, well, yeah, um, he's the president well, of the Chase Ontario Chamber, so he's got to do a lot of talking. <laughs> yeah, lots of talking, lots of lobbying. It's just well, a, huge... had a, like, a very optimistic tone throughout, too, which is mm -hmm. nice, right? Yeah. So. Yep. Well, you know what? We'll wrap up this episode and uh, we'll we'll go from there. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I do want to thank our guest. Oh, there he is. Perfect. Oh, yeah, Rock was able to. I apologize, guys. I lost you. That's okay. No Thanks no very problem. much. We're all, well, you know what? If you, we know that you have a huge schedule and a busy one. It is three o'clock. We promised your uh, your team that we'd have you done by three. We got two episodes in. We're very efficient. Amazing. Maybe get you back on in the future and talk about a hybrid healthcare system. Oh, we are we're willing to because we're professional insights. We're willing to if you want to talk about any platforms or anything that you want to talk about by all means but you're know. professional insights and i'm simply amateur insights so oh, how does right. that work yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're always open open to learning but anyway thank you thank stay you. positive test negative and buy local every chance you get yes nice. and on that note, thank you very much for chad uh, for uh being our guest uh rocco we really 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 appreciate it thank you bondo Pleasure, help guys. us help you help us help you stay informed the podcast super friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers hi i'm Catherine o'brien from branch out programs in baton rouge louisiana i'm john gay from jagged detroit podcasts i'm matt cundle from the sound off podcast network i'm david yes from pod 617 the boston podcast network and i'm johnny peterson from straight up podcasts Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.